You know, I've just uh, come back from Aussie. I've been over in Australia this week at a conference uh, called Kids Shaper, which is basically run by the Planet Shakers Church. And, uh, you know, it was an awesome, amazing time. And, uh, you know, I was over there and there was a past, senior pastor by the name of Glenn Bateau. I don't know if there's anyone heard of him. A couple of people. Man, he is one of the most amazing preachers I've ever heard. And, uh, and so anyway, he would start the conference off uh, by, you know, praying. And so I was really inspired by his prayer. I thought, man, that is good. And I thought, fuck, man, I'm gonna, I just gotta, I gotta memorize this prayer and I gotta use it. So everyone close your eyes. I'm gonna open tonight in prayer. Glenn Bateau style. So you guys ready for this? You gotta have your eyes closed. Dear Lord God, we just pray help in Jesus' name. Amen. That covers about everything. That's how he would say. So I thought that was brilliant. You know, so, uh, but now I just wanna really welcome you here tonight. And, uh, you know, we, uh, like I said, we had an awesome time over in Australia. And uh, we got back yesterday. Myself and Rock went and, uh, and, you know, God's got a funny sense of humor. And um, we had a bit more light on stage would be nice. So I can't, I can't see anyone. So uh, the lighting man's a runaway by the look of it. But uh, anyway. So um, I was, uh, God's got a funny sense of humor. And, uh, you know, we had a great week. And, and we were flying home last night on Emirates because I'd heard that they were the best airline out. And I personally had never been on them. And so... Um, so we thought, oh, you know, we'll take, take the opportunity, we'll go on Emirates and uh, enjoy the, uh, the style and the class that the, uh, the Emirates have. And so anyway, we weren't disappointed. It was one of the best airlines I've ever been on. And, uh, but the problem was, was that uh, we were supposed to fly out at 7 in the morning, and so we'd been up at 3.30, went to bed about midnight, so we were pretty hammered. And uh, there's also some guys there from Life Church, Paul DeYong's up in Auckland, so they were on the same flight. So we were hanging out with them at Melbourne Airport playing cards. And the plane was delayed. How many people hate it when the plane's delayed? I'll tell you, there's nothing worse. You just want to get home and the plane's late. Surely planes can get here on time. I don't know what happens, but the plane was delayed and it was about an hour delayed. And I was like, oh, I was looking at rock and we're looking at the time and we had an hour and 45 minutes in between um, that, where we had to catch our domestic flight. And so anyway, we got into Auckland at uh, our domestic flight back here to here to Napier was at 2.20, and we got into Auckland about quarter to, quarter to 2, 1.45, and we were like, oh, man, we're so we're going to be close. And, uh, and so anyway, we got through customs pretty quick. We were praying, and, and we got through the quickest I've got through, so that was good. And so we went to the, the desk at the international terminal. There's a desk there that you can check in your luggage, and I knew we couldn't check it in but, because, you know, you have to do it before an hour is gone. But, uh, so anyway, we're going to the desk there to say, hey, look, we're here. Can you make sure that they hold the plane? And uh, so anyway, they're like, well, look, we'll put in a um, thing on the computer to say that you're, you're just heading over. And so we're like, I said, Rock, man, what we need is we need the bus that takes you from the terminal international to the domestic to be right there waiting when we get out that we can hop on and we can take the bus. Praise Jesus. Because I am not a runner, as you could probably tell. And so I wasn't fancying myself running all the way to the domestic airport. Now, that's pretty funny in itself. That's why I think God's got a funny sense of humor. And so we run outside, we're running in the terminal, run outside into, the, into where the bus is. We're like, praise Jesus, the bus is there. Woo, we're running over to the bus and the bus starts leaving. We're like, no way. We were literally next to the bus. We could touch it and the dude just kept driving. We're like, man, does he not look out at his rear vision mirror and see that we were running, that we are desperate here? I was like, oh God, that's got to be the funniest thing out. That's all we need. So anyway, we're like, I'm looking at Rock and like, man, we've got to run. It's time to put on our jogging shoes. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have jogging shoes because I don't own a pair of jogging shoes because I don't run. But we've got to run. 
So we're running over to the terminal. And we get this. So if I fall over tonight, that is why, because my legs are really sore from running yesterday. Because how many people know, I reckon from the international to the domestic must be like a marathon. And so, man, I was, I don't know, I've never run a marathon, but that's got to be about the same distance right there. Because I was hurting. I could hardly breathe. And I had a Coke and it still didn't help my breathing. I could hardly talk to the lady. I got to the door with the luggage. I was like, Rock, you run on ahead of me. And uh, just like, you know, in the olden days, they would send out the person to run ahead of them. Rocky, you run ahead of me. And uh, you tell them to hold the plane. So we got there. The, the, we heard the boarding call to Napier. And we went to the desk. We're here. We're here. Sorry, sir. It's too late. What? It's too late? You've got to be kidding me. The plane's here. I know it's here. You just announced it. Yeah, but look, I'll carry my luggage out the door and put it on the plane myself underneath and then jump on the plane. No, sorry, we can't. Regulations. You're going to have to go around the corner. Have you got insurance, sir? I don't ever have insurance to go to Australia. It's just Australia. You know, nothing. What's going to go wrong? No, I don't have insurance. Did you fly on Air New Zealand, sir? No, because Emirates is better. Of course I didn't fly on Air. Everybody knows don't fly on Air New Zealand. What's going on? And so anyway, look, so you're going to have to go around the other counter. Go around there. Yep, we can get you on the next flight. Praise Jesus. What time is it? Another hour. No, not so bad. I can handle that. It's going to cost you $240. What? $240? I've just paid for my other ticket. Sorry, sir. No travel insurance. You didn't fly in New Zealand? Nothing we can do. So anyway, I thought that God was pretty funny about that. So, uh, but anyway, despise that, besides that, we had a great weekend. And uh, so I thought that tonight I'd preach on running the race to win. Since yesterday, I ran the race and I lost. So tonight it's about running the race to win. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Good to see you're alive and well, ready to run. So Ezekiel 22, verse 30, before I'll just lay out a little bit of a foundation here. In Ezekiel here in 22, it talks about how the sins of Israel. So how, we all know that Israel is a place that God had designed to be where his people, be his chosen land. All this, God's people would come from there and, uh, and you know, do some great, amazing things. And, uh, and how many people know we're all Gentiles because we don't come from Israel? But that's okay. We're all God's chosen people too now. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, here we have Israel, and they are in a, a state of sin going on. So you've got Israel, and there's this whole lot of corruption going on in the city and, and in the country. And you'd be sitting there thinking, but what about God's people? We're called to stand up and dare to be different. That is exactly right. You would be very true. But the problem is that it even says that even the priests, they were there living in sin. And the prophets were there prophesying saying that, that they were prophesying a word of the Lord that actually wasn't a word of the Lord at all. All it was was a, was a word out of their own flesh to cover up the sin that they were doing. So here we have a situation where we've got a, a country that is so corrupted, so full of sin, and we've got God's people who are also full of sin and are prophesying false words to cover their own sin up. And then in verse 30 it says this, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so that I wouldn't have to destroy the land. God searches for someone who might stand in the gap to rebuild the land. For searching for someone who might stand for righteousness in a place that is full of corruption and sin. And he finds no one. So what you're telling me is that there was nobody here that would stand in the gap. For the thing that God wants? You know, let me ask you this. Because see, God is looking for people now. In this time that we're at. 
See, Israel is not much different than here. Actually, here's probably could be worse. I don't know. But we're living in a time where there's corruption, where there's sin, where it's totally contrary to what the Word of God wants, where it's totally different to what God ordained, where God had planned. See, God had planned for all of us to live and united, unified with Him, where we'd be giving, shouting praises to His name. But instead, because of Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, we're living in a place that is full of sin and corrupted. So God is looking for people in a generation that would say, God, here I am, I'm willing and I want to stand in the gap. If God asked you to stand in the gap tonight, would you say yes? Would you say yes? You see, God has ordained for all of us to run the race and stand for righteousness. You see, you stand in the gap when your friends are doing things that are contrary to the word of God. That's what standing in the gap means. You know, my, I've got a business, a floor sanding business, and, and we've made a stand for us personally as, as a business that we won't do any perkies. And people, you tell people that, they're like, what? Why not? Why? Because I will stand in the gap for righteousness. Because even though it might cost me, even though I could be supposedly better off with not having to pay tax, I will stand in the gap for righteousness. Because I'm not called to live of this world. I'm called to live different. Do you stand in the gap? Are you standing in the gap for righteousness? And I'll tell you. See, people would look at that and say, man, you've lost so much money. You know what? I've gained so much more. Because I've chosen to stand in the gap. Because I've chosen to live for righteousness. And I've gained so much more blessing than what I could ever imagine. Because chosen to stand in the gap. Chosen to stand for righteousness. So God's looking tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready? Will you stand in the gap tonight? So I wonder if you've got your Bibles to turn to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to go from here. And uh, <clears throat> that was just a little intro. And, uh, you know, we're not called to maintain our, our walk with God. We're called to take dominion and to live in a place of victory. But see, unfortunately, there are so many people, you just maintain your walk with God. See, for a lot of us, it was like, okay, God, I, just, I got saved now. That's cool, I'm done. You know, I'm just going to sit here, re- re- relax, and enjoy the ride. You know, if that's what God had ordained for us, if that was God's purpose for our life that we just maintain, then let's just place a whole lot of coffins at the back right now and let's all jump in them and go to heaven. Because God might as well kill us now and take us if that was his plan. But you know what, friends? That's not his plan. That was never God's plan. That was never God's design. God's design is that firstly we get saved, we come into a relationship with Him, and then we start to develop, we start to grow, we start to position ourselves, we start to, we start to learn and read the Word and grow and train ourselves, we start to run the race that we would take and have the victory. Amen? You see, in 1 Corinthians it says this. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, it says, Don't you realize that the, run, that the race everybody runs... Yes, Lord? Anyway, let me start again. Don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs? So we're all running a race, whether we believe it or not. The question is, what race are you running? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do not win a prize that will fade away. But they do it for the eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training 
to do what he should. Otherwise, I fear that after I preach, after I'm preaching to others, after I'm preaching to others, that I myself might be disqualified. I run the race to win. We're all in a race. What race are you running? See, for some of us, the race that we're running is, like I said, was just to get saved. So we've done that now. So we're not running a race anymore that has got any purpose or destiny. For some of us, we're so filled up, filled up with, with fear and with anger and with hurt and with negativity, passivity, that our race is all about just tearing down things that we don't like because we don't agree. For some of us, we're so full of negativity that everything, whenever we're looking at something, we're always judging it and finding fault in it. You know what? God has called us to be ones who would bring life, not find fault. We are a country that would find fault in so many things. That that is, even when, when we win at something, we're not happy about something. And when we don't win, man, I wouldn't want to be the person who is coaching that team. Because we're so negative, there's so much negativity. Some of us were so passive that when we come to church, we just stand there, sing a song, clap our hands a few times. We'll be lucky if we can even get a hand raised up to the Lord. You know, while we raise our hands, it's a sign of honor unto him. God, here I am. I lay down my life before you, Jesus. Lord, I lift my hands as a sign of worship unto you. Some of us can hardly do that. Some of us, the race that we're running is to, because I want to be so successful in business. I want to be, and, and that is, don't hear me right, that is a good thing. God has called us to be successful in business, but not at the expense of your walk with God. God has called us to be financially blessed and for you to save money and to be wealthy, but not at the expense of God. You see, because it's all about our relationship with Him. What race are you running? Some of us, our personality is that we are so busy and we always have to be doing something that we end up like Martha. That we're always doing and we don't have any time just to sit and be with the Lord. So our race is that we always have to do things. Some of us, and this is me and this is something I need to watch, our, our, our nature and the way we're made up is that we're so cruisy and easygoing and, and just cruise through life, that we don't ever actually achieve anything great. Because, oh, just cruising, just going with the wind, you know, just doing whatever comes by my way. But see, the problem with that is that we never get anything done. What race are you running tonight? You see, in Mark 10, verse 25, it says this, It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. So we've got to be careful that what we're going for, see some of us are going for worldly possessions. We want the best car, we want the best house, we want the best clothes, we want the best of everything. Like I said, all on its own, it's not a bad thing. But when it's at the expense of your relationship with God, then there's a problem. Because see, the rich man, easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. If I had an eye of a needle here tonight and I had a camel how hard do you reckon that could be? That would be pretty weird. Come on, camel. Come and jump through the eye. Come on. Hey, let's go. Hey, we're all cheering it on and pretty difficult. So we've got to be so careful because we live in a society that where we have so much. And in the economy, the way it is, is that, you know, we moan and we groan because we don't have enough money. We don't have this. We don't have that, you know. And so we're moaning all the time. But you know what, friends? We are so rich. 
If you think you're not, then I challenge you to go to a third world country and see what it's like over there. You know, we went to Burma a few years ago, did a mission trip over there with kids' leaders and some kids, and I'll tell you, man, there's people going to the toilet on the side of the road, and there's people down the road a bit further in the same water drinking it. That's right. That's what these people live in. We are rich. We are rich. So we have to be careful that we don't just maintain our walk with God because we have so much in the natural. We've got to be careful that we don't just waltz on and cruise through life, that our race is not one of just maintaining, but our race is one of winning. You see, every athlete does not train to lose. An athlete will train to win. Do you train to win? Do you train to win? Yeah, I heard, I didn't see it myself, but I heard somebody was telling me that, that there was an athlete that they, in the Olympics that they came third and they got a bronze medal and they threw it on the ground because they wanted to win. Because they weren't happy. They didn't train to come third. They came to win. Some of us settle for third place. Some of us will settle for second place. Some of us will settle not even to get anywhere near the front. See, God's designed us to run the race to win. To run the race of life to win. We need to run to win. You know, I've got three keys here. The first one that we need to be able to run the race to win is we need discipline. We need to be disciplined. And the reason why I said earlier that I think God had a funny joke about us having to run to the plane and not even winning is because while I was away, God spoke to me actually early in the year about the whole thing of discipline. So I did a 40-day fast on fast food and different things like that. And, and then while I was away again, I felt God again call me to that fast, faster discipline, but this time to intensify it a bit more. Because how many people know discipline hurts? And running hurt. And I was thinking, God, is that what you want me to do? That is painful. So I've got a bike, I'm going to do that, it's a bit better. It doesn't hurt so much. So see, God's calling me and talking to me about the whole thing of discipline and how we need to discipline ourselves. Because you see, you can't expect to have a life where in the natural it's so out of order, so out, there's just, you've got chaos and carnage and a whole mess. Your room is like a teenager's room. Your life is like that. You've got so much mess. Come on, teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. My room's still like that on my side of the bed, so it's okay. And so some of us, our life is like that, where our, where our lives are so messy, there's so much chaos, there's no discipline in our lives, we can't find anything. See, the thing, friends, that you've got to realize is that if your life in the natural is, 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 is messy and untidy and undisciplined, then you can't expect to live life in the things of God, in the Spirit, where God will move and God will see things happen and you'll be one that's living in the greatest presence of God because if you won't have discipline in the things of the Spirit, if you don't have it in the natural. Because you can't walk in two different worlds, one going this way and one going that way. They have to walk together. You see, God will still bless. God will still move through you to a measure. But none of us want that to be measured. We want all of God. We want all of God. So what, what is one way will affect the other. When you see people on stage doing amazing miracles, it's all because what they've built in the secret place. They can only move in those things because they've been disciplined enough to build their life in that secret place. Because they've brought order to their life in the natural. And don't get me wrong, we still sin because we are sinners. 
But it's about continually coming back to the grace of God. Continually asking God, God, forgive me. And then turning. You see, for some of us, our money even is so messed up. For some of us in this place, your finances are in such a mess, is in such chaos, that you spend and you spend and you spend, and when you don't have any more money to spend, you HP and you HP and you HP. So the problem with that, friends, is that you are not in a position now where if God speaks, I want you to give, you can't do anything because your finances are in a mess, because you're not disciplined. Some of us, our marriages are in such a mess, we're not disciplined. We're never there for our kids. We don't spend time with our kids. You know what? The biggest thing you can ever do, the biggest investment you can ever make into your children is time. It's not money. It's not possessions. It's not presents. It's time. It's time. See, some of us, we're so busy that our kids, even though we're there, we're not engaging them. Some of us are not engaging our wives. See, the biggest thing, better than a diamond ring, is time. Is that true? Do you agree? Yeah, thanks. See, every woman would agree, I'm sure, about this, is that if you never saw your husband, that he was disengaged, that he spent every minute of every day with the boys, he would come home, sit his buttocks on the couch in front of the TV while there's jobs to do, and he did that time after time after time after time. The kids are crying. That's all right. My wife will get it. She's great with the kids. She's called to be the housewife. I'm called to be the one that goes and works and brings in the money. You see, if you lived life like that long enough, never spent time, you might think, oh, heck, I forgot to spend some time. I better buy a diamond ring. You go and do that, you know, she'll be happy about with that for a little while. Oh, I love you, you know, but it won't last unless you change your habits and you start to get disciplined. Come on, woman. I know you agree. Thank you. Thank you very much. See, the Bible says in Luke 9, 23, take up your cross daily and follow me. See, that talks of discipline. That talks of pain. See, every athlete goes through a season of discipline, a season of pain, a season of working hard and training himself so that he can run the race to win. You see, for some of you, I hear this time and time and time again from Christians that have been Christians for years. What are you believing for this year? Oh, that I have a consistent word life, that I have a consistent prayer life. You know what, friends? That is a foundational thing that should be sorted out as a you know, when just after you get saved. See, it's about discipline in your time. Oh, but I can't read. I'm not a good reader. Neither am I. doesn't matter. God hasn't necessarily called us all to be good readers. You see, you can still read the Word and still get things out of it. Oh, but it's such a big book with no pictures. That's okay. As you read it, get a pen and paper next to you and start to draw a picture of what the Word's saying. Now you've got pictures in your Bible. So you can't give me the fact that I just can't read it, I'm not good at reading, the book's too big, I can't get up and pray in the morning, because you know, I'm just, such not, I'm just so not a morning person. You know what, the other thing God's been speaking to me about is the whole thing of first fruits. And for me, I would, I would pray at night because I'm not a morning person in theory. But you know what I've done because I felt God speak? I want you to lay down the first fruit offering of the day, where you would lay down the day to me. Because there's power in that first fruit offering. There's power when you give the first to God. It's not about giving your leftovers. Oh, God, I've done the things I need to do today. So, God, I'll just spend the next 10 minutes praying with you. That's giving God your leftover. 
but when you will sacrifice getting up and spending time with him. Like I said, I'm not a morning person. But what I did was I just set my alarm for 6 o'clock every morning. It would go off. And you know what, friends? I'm, I'm, I'm a, sad to admit it. The first week I didn't get out of bed. I just kept hitting the snooze button. But you know what it did do? Was that it got me into a habit pattern of waking up. So now in the second week, because I'd been naturally, my body had been waking up for the first week. Now come the second week, my body was used to it, and I found I was naturally waking up at 6 o'clock anyway. So now I'm getting up in the morning, I'm praying, I'm giving my first fruit offering to the Lord. And I've used that excuse, I'm not a morning person. But you know what? It's about discipline. How much do you want to win the race? Or are you happy to finish second? Are you happy to finish third? Are you happy not even to get in the race? Run your own little race by yourself. Not very exciting. You can run your own race by yourself and stand up on the podium. I've won. Cool, man. How many people raced? It's just me. Not many people will find that very uh, achieved. They won't find much achievement in that. It's not something that you would uh, shout your praises about either, I'm sure. The second thing is, is that you need to run with purpose. And in verse 26 here, it says in the 1 Corinthians 24, it says, I run with purpose, 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 I run with purpose every step, and I'm not just shadow boxing. You know, shadow boxing is that, you know, you're standing there and you're pulling all the punches, you're fighting, you're doing the thing, and there's no opponent. That's what shadow boxing is. For some of us, our Christian walk, we're shadow boxing. We never get in the ring and fight the fight. For some of us, we stand here and we talk the talk. And we say all these things that I want to do. Man, I want to be a great preacher. Man, I want, I want to see the power of God move through my life. I want to pray for sick people and get them healed. I want to do all this stuff. I want to see my school saved. I want to see my workplace saved. And we never actually get in the ring and fight. What use is it to train in something and never get into the race, never get into the ring and fight? There's no point in that. You see, if you want to be a, be a preacher... Prepare a message. If you want to pray for the sick, pray for the sick to get healed. If you want to take your, take your school, start a prayer meeting in your school. Get the Christians together and pray. Don't just stand there talking about it. Because, see, we have a society full of Christians that will just maintain their walk with God. It's about turning up on a Sunday, sitting in the pews, getting fed, and nothing changes throughout the week. We do nothing different. See, God's looking, who will stand in the gap for righteousness? Who will run the race to win? Who will not just talk the talk, but you will actually stand up there, put yourself on the limb, walk out out of, out of your comfort zone so that you can start to see. You see, you might prepare a message and you might have practiced it time and time again and weeks go by, months go by, years go by and you haven't got to preach that message. But I tell you what, friend, one day will be your opportunity. You might pray for a sick person, see nothing. You might pray for another sick person and see nothing. But one day you will see the, 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 the sick be healed. One day you will see the sore shoulder be restored. And now you start to position yourself, your training, and first your training was just to succeed in the little things. Now you've succeeded in the little things. Now you're going for for people to walk out of wheelchairs, blind eyes to be healed, because you've got the faith for the little thing. Now you can expect for more. 
And then once you've done that, you can position yourself, now, God, I'm going for the dead man. God, give me the dead man, Lord. Show me the dead man. We're not just shadow boxing. I like the music. Can you guys hear that? It was just me. You can't hear it? Something in the fallbacks. You're playing a game with me, aren't you, Andrew? And uh, <laughs> there it is, gone. And anyway, Matthew 22, uh, 25, verse 14 to 29, you've got the three men with the talents. And most of us know the story. And with that, God gives one of the guys five talents. God gives the other one two, and the, other one gets, the third one gets one. The master goes away, and one of them, when the master comes back, says, what did you do with, like, with what I gave you? Well, I had five, and uh, you know, I've been really good. I, in, I invested it, and I've got ten. I've got, I doubled it, and now I've got ten. Well done, good and faithful servant. The other one said, well, with my two or three, can't remember what it was now, I did the same thing, and I doubled that too. And then the last one says, well, you know, I was so freaked out and had fear, so I just, just let it sit and just did nothing with that. And so now you come back, and here it is, I've still got your one. You know what? You know what, that, what the master did? He said, actually, I will take that one talent off you, and I will give it to the person with ten. Because he never did anything with it. But he's got ten, I've only got one. Why would you take the one from me? Because when I give him something, he does something with it. How many people know when we've got something, money, whatever it is, and we want it, we're not going to place it in a bank or invest it into something where we don't gain anything from that. We will give it and put it somewhere where there's high gain, where we will gain something from that. You see, God has given us all a talent. God has given us all something to do. God has given us some, a race to win. And your race might be that you want to see your school saved. It could be all sorts of different things. But God has given every one of us that talent. What are you doing with it? Because eventually, if you do nothing, he will give it to someone who will use it. So that we wouldn't just shadow box. So that we would have purpose in our steps. Purpose in our steps. That we would know exactly where we're going. We know exactly what we're going to achieve. And we know how and the steps to get there. And we will continue in that with discipline. That we'd have purpose in our steps. And the last thing is this. And it says it here in verse 27. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should. Otherwise, I fear that after I preach, after I'm preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know, friends, it's really important we walk upright. 24-7, that we walk a life that is upright before people. That means, what do you do in the secret place? God sees it. You see, you can't get an athlete turning up to the race, dressed in all the race gear, and expect to win. If I turned up in the 100 meters wearing all the clothes, the tight shorts, and the tight top, and you know, scaring everyone with my one ab, I can't expect that I would win. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. They would have finished the race, gone and had a shower, and I'd still be running. See, an athlete, if he wants to do and win, then there's every week he has to be disciplined in what he does. He, he, He needs to watch what he eats. He needs to be training. He needs to be doing things. Same for you. If you want to win the race, 
It's about having a lifestyle that is 24-7 honoring God. What do people see when you're on the street? You know, I've been more and more convicted about this. I've been in, in town at times. I'll be like, hey, Steve, how you going? Good to see you. And I'm like, hey, how you going? Don't know who they are. We go to Bay City. Awesome, man. Good to see you, you know. And so I've, been, I've just been so aware of that. Man, people will see me. What am I doing? Am I turning them off, the things of God, and my actions? Somewhat, you know, I'm waiting at the counter. The lady's taking a long time because she's a trainee. Am I there just giving her grace, or am I there just nailing her? What are you doing, man? Don't you know that I have got an appointment with God? What are you doing, woman? Or are we there showing grace? What are you doing 24-7? A lifestyle that is upright before the Lord. And that's a challenge for all of us because there are a lot of us there that the way we turn up on a Sunday is different to the way we live our week. It's not about, you're not called to be a Sunday Christian. That won't win the race. Having a lifestyle that is upright before the Lord. You know, all your battles are won on your knees. The victories are gained on your knees before the Lord in that secret place. That's where the battles are won. That's where the victories are won. That's where the fight's fought. 24-7. Living a life that's upright before the Lord. Think about your life right now as the band come up. Just start to think, how do you live life throughout the week? What's your lifestyle like? What's your thought life like? Where do you invest your time? What's it like throughout the week? Would, 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 if, the, if the staff of the church and the pastors, if they saw you, would, you know, what you're doing during the week, are you happy to do that same thing right down here on a Sunday? The attitude that you have during the week, are you happy to have that attitude right down here on a Sunday to pass the mic? The thoughts that you're thinking, are you happy to get up here and tell everyone about that? See, that's what it's about. A life that is honoring to the Lord.